Hi, and welcome to Parenting Trap, episode 12, where Alex and I discuss how children learn best with unstructured play. Hi, Barbara. Hey, Alex. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I feel good about today's episode, a little bit more organized today. Yes, you took so many notes. (laughs) Barbara sent me a whole list of notes for today's episode with citations, which is awesome. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. um, Well, I'm glad to. It's something I've one meaning to do. So I think uh, um, the time is now and uh, I'll be putting all the citations in the actual show notes, like, um, and anything that's linked to a website, will have a link to the website. So anyone can click and see what we're talking about. Um, I don't want people to necessarily think that we're making this stuff up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like why, how are we qualified to give parenting advice? I mean, we have kids, but lots of people have kids, so that's probably not enough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you guys can look it up on your own. I mean, and if you don't have time, I understand that. And I'm trying to make it as easy and accessible as possible. I really want that for everyone. Um, but today I'm excited because we're going to be talking about, um, kids and how do they learn things without being taught or shown um and for this i'm actually thinking about focusing on infants and toddlers um though i do yeah though i do i think that that um it can it can extend to older kids i think it can extend to older kids and i wanted to just touch on um on this a little bit i have my kids enrolled in a democratic school and we practice unschooling which is a radical philosophy. Um, And so it is possible to have this philosophy with infants and toddlers and then extend it to when they're older. Yeah. But that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother episode, but um, it's a good to note. And anybody who has older children, if you're thinking this may not um, completely apply to you, uh, you can actually look at the show notes and see that a lot of this research is um, uh, talks about older children as well, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, um, uh, but for the purposes of keeping this nice and a little bit shorter, uh, we're going to focus on younger children. And so I, I'm, I'm going to kind of dig in. I want to say that, um, um, what we're talking about here is, uh, not, not showing children, not trying to teach them, quote, teach them how to do something and, um, allowing them opportunities, the majority of their play to be unstructured play. And by unstructured play, that's the freedom to explore, create, and discover without predetermined rules or guidelines. So I kind of looked yes. that, um, specifically up so I can give that je- definition in case people are trying to figure out what we mean. Um, it really is freedom of play, um, completely self-directed. So that means when you give a child a toy that you have in your head should be used a certain way, it's not showing them how you think it should be used and letting them figure it out for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and I think it's really hard. I think we get this thing in our head that, um, how do kids learn unless we teach them, unless we're, we're there to show them what to do with something. Um, and we miss an opportunity to see what they learn independently on their own. Um, you know, how are they ever going to learn to stack blocks if I don't show them how to stack blocks or whatever it is? Um, and that's true. It certainly um, feels like that when you're in it. Because you're like, oh, there's just this way that it can be used. And I feel like they would have so much more fun with it if I show them. 
Um, but eventually they will learn on their own or see another kid. I think it's okay if other kids are around and other kids show them. I just don't think it's okay for us to, um, because then they always want to divert to authority and look to the adult in the room to show them how to use toys. So I don't agree with us doing it. Um, also, we rob them of that, of that pride that they feel when they actually figure it out themselves. Yes. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I can understand it. You know, I, I think we get worried that our kids are going to like have limit, like they're going to be limited in their, um, learning if, if they're not taught certain things. Um, and, and that's just simply not quite the case. It's, uh, your, your kid, if you never show them how to stock, stack blocks, they're probably someday eventually going to stack blocks. I mean, for whatever thing that you think that's so important, whatever they're learning in that, um, they'll get there in their own time and way. And I think we intervene for several different reasons. I think the first is because we want to show them how something is done. Um, we think it's important that whatever, maybe we're even excited, like you said, we want to share the excitement and joy of a toy. Um, and then the other thing is uh, we sometimes intervene because our child is really frustrated. So, and I want to talk about both those two things because um, um, we're doing things for two different reasons in those circumstances and they're both worth talking about. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think yes. um, it's, it's, and that's true. And I think we, we both have talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, it's okay for kids to be frustrated and it's okay for them to express those feelings. And when we jump in and show them how to use something just because they're frustrated, we're giving them the message that they can't handle those feelings, that they need us to save them. And I think that's the wrong message to get. It's better that they feel that frustration, let it out safely. You can label it for them and help them process it. And then when they go back to it, it'll be that much better when they finally figure it out. Yeah. And that's their own reward as well. They, when they figure it out and they get past that threshold, um, it's, it's that, that's, it's, it's just so rewarding to be able to, um, figure something out. I mean, we've all been there where we've gotten so frustrated that we, <laughs> and we just want to keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And then all of a sudden it's like something clicks and, uh, that feeling you get is so, so great. Um, and yeah, kids now kids, this, uh-huh. Oh, I was just going to say, this is a really hard thing to do. And <laughs> yes, I have failed at this many times. I'm sure every parent has. So I, I don't want to make it seem like this is something you have to do all the time. And if you don't do it, you failed as a parent. Um, if we are not in the right mental space ourselves, then it's hard to hear our kids have a hard time. And so we really have to be centered ourselves and calm so we can help them through that. If you're not in the right headspace, like I would say in the general, like grand scheme of things, this is not one of those those parenting things that is that bad to get wrong sometimes. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And sometimes, I mean, we, we know our children pretty well. We, we certainly get to know them as they get older. And so we can see, we can see when they're kind of hit, hitting a wall or like their frustration may be due to something besides their own, um, 
maybe a roadblock in learning process. It could be uh, that they're hungry. It could be that they're tired. And in those instances, um, you know, recognizing that and, and helping your kid in those ways. Uh, wow, that looks frustrating. Um, gosh, that's so tired. Do you want to take a break and get some get some food. I've got a snack over here for you. Put a snack right in front of them. Even you can bring food straight to them because sometimes kids just get so wrapped up in what they're doing and they, they, they don't even recognize that their body is telling them that they need this other thing. Um, so we can kind of, uh, offer them opportunities to, uh, learn how to take breaks for themselves, learn how to recognize that they, 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 uh, they might, need to kind of step away for a moment and give them that space. And then, and then they'll probably revisit that thing again. I mean, I, 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 I've never, I have yet to see an infant entirely, um, give up on something. In fact, I usually see infants and toddlers continue again and again and again and again. Um, until I have seen it. it. Yeah. I've seen young kids give up and you know what it is? Hmm. It's not because they get too frustrated. I've seen them give up when the adult steps in and does it for them. And oh. then they stop trying. Yeah. And then they go to the adult every time and they're like, you do it. And this actually you happened to me because I fell into that trap with my oldest. He wanted to draw. And I think he felt um, self-conscious about drawing when he was young. Cause he realized that I could write letters and draw in a way that he couldn't. And just, you know, one day he handed the crayon or marker chalk to me. And I drew something for him. And then it just became this thing where he didn't even want to try anymore. And it took a long time, a long time. I mean, he was in kindergarten and he did, um, uh, what is it? Uh, occupational therapy. Um, because he was so far behind because he, he, he refused to draw. Yeah. And that's a really good example of how often we try to go in and swoop in and solve our children's problems for them. But in a lot of ways, it can cause more problems. Um, You know, they really have an innate desire to learn and, and we, we totally rob them of, of, of their own self-confidence when they, we send the message to them that we're the only ones that can solve their problems. So, and that's, that's what you're doing when you constantly step in and help a child. Um, and it's, it's hard. It's that's, it is hard. It's hard to see your child struggle. Um, we do get excited about things and we, we want to share in the play and the joy of discovering and, you know, the way some, something may work. Um, but I think that leaving it to your child, uh, gives them their own, their, like their own sense of accomplishment. And I know I've I've said that already a dozen times here, but it's, it's really is its own thing. Um, and yeah, I, I think when we interfere, um, it can cause more frustration in that way, instead of, Mm -hmm instead of seeing their own growth, they're seeing their own limitations. It can also feel like they're giving up if they stop trying for a while. And then when they're young, you, you get this fear in your head. You're like, oh, now they're never going to learn how to do it, but um, they will, they will. And I did have that with, again, my oldest with uh, learning to 
ride a two-wheeled bicycle because we skipped the training wheels. We did the balance bike with him. And then we went straight from balance bike to pedal bike. And um, he said, I remember he asked, he said, how do I know I'm not going to fall over? And I said, oh, well, you just have to practice. And he was not okay with that. He was so fearful because when you do the balance bike, you're actually walking with the bike. So if you start to tip, you can catch yourself with your foot. And I told him he could do that, but with the pedals in the way, I think he kind of, like he kind of got on it, but he realized that the pedals would get in the way of that. His feet weren't always really close to the ground. Um, And it did, it felt like it was months and months, but finally one day he said, you know what, I want to try, I want to try the bike. And we did, and he didn't fall at all. He just took off. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we need to, we need to remember one, this, it takes so much trust. You have to trust that your child is capable and that they're going to do it when they're ready. And they just, they do it when they're ready. They naturally kind of come to a point where they're ready to do it. This, this is true with crawling, um, crawling, walking, riding a bicycle, um, all of these, a lot of motor functions talking. And when we force it on our child and try to, um, put them on something that they're, or do something that they're not ready talking. Yeah. Um, when we try and force it on them, particularly like the motor stuff, uh, um, like motor functions, uh, that, that can get, um, tricky because if we, if we've kind of forced them into those positions and they fail they're because they're not ready, then that's going to maybe make them a little bit more scared to try again when they, even if their body is ready. Um, and we might be putting their bodies in positions that they're, they're, that are uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, how, how many people might stick their child on a two wheeled bike and say, just pedal, you know, (laughs) try and send their kid off. And then they, you know, I think a child, when they, uh, when they say, oh, I'm not ready for that. They, they know their body best. We don't know what's best for them. Um, now, now actually this is a good question because I did do this when, when he was ready to ride the bicycle and he wanted help. I did do the thing where you hold the back of the, the bike seat and kind of run along until they're ready. And then you let go, mm-hmm. um, which is helping them. So, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that being a contradiction, a contradiction. That? Um, that's tricky. I don't know. I could see getting myself into that as well, because there is that, um, momentum of a bicycle bicycles are interesting you really got to kind of build up that momentum to stay on the two wheels and uh and I could see kids kind of doing those steps to to get on and falling and then never really I mean I think they would eventually figure out how to get that momentum and I think you did the um the balance bike so there's something in there that a kid knows when they're going faster uh there's better balance um, but I don't know. I, I, I certainly think that a kid would get there on their own, whether you hold the back of the bike or not. And every, you know, everyone gets to make their own decisions there. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I am not sure. I, uh, I'm not sure I'll hold the back of a bicycle, but, um, I can see why other parents would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's, there's some gray area there for sure. Oh yeah. But in general, it's best to allow kids to explore and learn on their own mm-hmm. and allow them to be frustrated and not try and save them. Yeah. Yeah. And don't do it for them. Don't do it for them. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think another thing that I've done before, um, similar to your holding the back of the bicycle and I, and I find this tough, but, um, when my two-year-old's trying to do something and it's getting really frustrating, let's say he's like stacking something that's not perfectly flat or along those lines or like a puzzle that he's been trying to get. Um, although my, my two-year-old's still not really into puzzles. Um, he's, I've noticed he'll kind of keep, he'll, he'll maybe have done it. So he knows that it works, but he doesn't always get it. Uh, he'll get something like out of position, you know, it only fits one special way and he'll keep trying and trying and trying and trying. And sometimes I'll go, ah, oh, and he'll throw it down. And I'm like, that looks so frustrating. And I might walk over and look at it and say something like, gosh, I don't know. And I'll pick up the piece that looks super tricky. And I might set it back down in a place that will make it so he picks it up in a way that makes it easier to get the next time. So yeah. I've done that before where I'm like, oh, you know, it's upside down and I put it right side up. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, here, try again. Like, I, I'm sure you can do it if you keep trying. And I kind of like position it and that, yeah. and, and that's very similar to what you're talking about. I mean, he doesn't necessarily yeah. need that. He'll get there on his own, but, um, you know, it's so you a, are supporting him and I'm trying to, in a way, but not does. doing it for him, not doing it for so. him. It is, it's a tricky, it's a fine line. It is a fine line. It is. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun. I mean, I, I think it's really fun to see all uh, kids when they are frustrated and they've been trying something over and over and over and over again. And when they get it, just the, the sheer joy that they exhibit from that success is just so wonderful. So wonderful oh. to see. And also we should mention that a big piece of this is not giving them toys that are age inappropriate, right. giving them age appropriate toys. So you wouldn't put like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle in front of <laughs> your two-year-old. <laughs> that's just gonna, that's yeah. Like we shouldn't put things in front of them that are impossible to solve. Yes. Or use. Yes. And, and uh, you I think that we get to know our children best. So we know where their capabilities are. So it's not even like the, well, it says that it says three-year-old on it, you know, it's a three-year-old toy. Well, some three-year-olds might be able to, you know, interact with that thing more, you know, with less frustration than others. So um, yeah, you're, you, that's such a good point. You know, you don't want to give your kids toys that, that are just going to cause frustration. But I do um, think it's okay to expose them to things you're doing or older kids or other kids might be doing. Yeah. So if you're working on a jigsaw puzzle, it's okay for him to see that. Um, the difference yeah. is one is you're trying to show the kid how to use something and teach them how to use something. And the other is you're just living your life and they're learning by yes. observing you. Yes. And that's how they, that's kind of that is how they learn. Kids learn, um, by observing, they learn through their play too. I mean, this is, this is the way that they interact, um, with their whole world for the first very many years is just through play. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm not gonna like not sweep the floor in front of my two-year-old because I heard like my one-year-old, because I don't think they'll be able to sweep the floor for me. I'll, I'm going to sweep that floor. And, uh, surprisingly enough, um, you know, now, now I swept the floor in front of my one-year-old and my now two-year-old seems to love sweeping the floor. And sometimes yep. it's just pushing dirt around a lot, but, 
awesome. It's awesome. You know, they, they want to do, they want to do what we're doing. They, 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 they really want to just be incorporated in life. And when we try to prevent that or, um, shelter it or control it, um, constantly trying to tell them to do things a different way, uh, that's going to really, um, eat at their self-esteem and their ability to, um, like learn Mm -hmm. they're going to give up. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, um, they are so intuitive. Like they, they know so much more than we give them credit for. So when we show them how to do something, even if we're in our heads saying, oh, this is the same as me doing the jigsaw puzzle in front of them. I'm just going to do it. Like I'm interested in it. Um, they, I think they see through that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that you're, um, everything about what you're doing, your body language is different and, um, we, yeah, they, they see the agenda there. Uh, they also know the difference between the things that you interact with on a really regular basis versus things that you're not interacting with on a regular basis. Um, and that being said, I'd also say it's important like to try and include them on the things that you're doing. Like, you know, my two-year-old loves to help with laundry and when I'm folding laundry, he wants to help fold laundry. Uh, but he just has a very different vision of what that looks like. And I don't stop him and I don't control it because someday he'll get it. And the more I interfere with that, I, uh, the more likelihood there's going to be where he's going to step away and not even want to try ever again, because I'm mm-hmm. constantly correcting, correcting him. Right. So I, I let him, I let him like grab laundry, even folded laundry and put it back in the basket and try and fold his own laundry and shove it in the drawers. And, um, you know, if I want something done a particular way, I try to actually just make a point to, to do that, um, if it's, if it's not working for me, then I, I just, I, I will do it on my own in my own way. I'm not going to try and correct him doing it the way he wants to do it. Yes. He's, he's doing it his own way. And that's great. Yes. And he does, he totally loads his own laundry in his drawers. Now it's awesome. And, so uh, I barely fold my laundry anyway, and I'm an adult. So, you know, his fold, his is folded his own way. It's great. <laughs> a win-win. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's, uh, anything else that we missed. Um, I did have really long notes. I'm just going to take a quick look. Uh, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure this is something that can come up again. Um, um, I suppose we should say that there are some medical, medical exceptions to this rule. If you are worried about your child's development, um, then you should speak to a medical professional. We're obviously not medical professionals. We believe that in general, kids will learn on their own and don't need to be propped up to learn to sit up or held and walked to learn to walk or set on their tummies to learn to roll over and that kind of thing. Um, but you should definitely uh, talk to someone if you're worried about that. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. Of course, of course. Um, and thank goodness. There's lots of wonderful, wonderful, um, physical therapists, doctors that can give you advice if that's what you're looking for, but we're not going to talk about those exceptions on this podcast. We have no authority to do so. (laughs) So thank you for mentioning that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, this was a fun one. I'm, I, um, 
Yeah, uh, there is a lot of research out there that that shows that uh, exploratory play is um, correlates with uh, later cognitive function, like higher cognitive function. And you can look that up. You can you can absolutely even just Google unstructured play. Again, I'm going to have all those things in the show notes, but you can do your own research. That's what I recommend you look up if you're interested in it. Unstructured play, benefits of unstructured play, and you're going to get a ton of results back. So um, there's no shortage of information here. And I really hope this was helpful for people. That, you know, you just reminded me, I was going to bring up the other thing. Um, I, I read a study. I'm pretty sure it was a study. Maybe it wasn't. We tried to find it for the podcast to get to the site and we couldn't find it. So maybe it doesn't exist. <laughs> it could be behind a paywall though. Honestly. So a lot of this stuff, and I tried to, I tried to do all citations that were um, not behind paywalls. Cause I don't want to have to give something out there to people that they actually can't access. That doesn't seem fair, but sorry. Right. And it might ahead. not be a study. There's a lot of people that do, you know, these experiments, but they're not peer reviewed and published in journals. So it might've been, you know, an opinion piece about you know, a study. I don't know, but it was interesting and it makes sense to me. And that's, um, I read that they had, uh, two groups of people, they had, um, kids and the first group had an adult have an object that had uh, lots of buttons on it or something. And the adult did a series of movements to the device. And then the device did something like lit up or beeped or something. And then the adult gave it to the kids. And then the kids were left alone with that object and in that case, most of the kids um, just used the device in that way. And the device could also be used in a more efficient way. Like the instructor had an extraneous step that was unnecessary, but the kids usually just did it the way the teacher showed them. Then they had another group where they were just left with the object and um, they weren't shown how to use it. And in that group, they learned how to use the object uh, without the extraneous step and they became more creative and they spent longer. I, I think they, I read, they spent more time with the object and they learned, um, the way that it actually worked versus the group that just followed the directions. So, so cool. that's a good example for why, and it might not be a real study. I definitely read about it. Well, um, and it any makes of sense. Our, it's logical. Yeah. It is logical. And if any of the listeners actually know what you're talking about, um, write in the comments, tag us. And, um, and we, cause we would actually like to know, I want to, um, look into that. It it does make a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, that's so cool. If it's not a study, it should be done. (laughs) If it's not a study, I would not be surprised if it was, I really wouldn't. It sounds just so like the kinds of experiments, I mean, I've read, I've, I've now read through so many different ones that are variations of that for various different, uh, um, outcomes. Like they're, they're looking at different things. So I think that does make sense. I mean, tons of play research out there, so much play research. Um, so, so cool. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, like, and subscribe um, anyone can send us questions to questions at parentingtrap.com and, um, share the video, please. If you like what you see, yes. uh, that would help a lot. Yeah. And yeah, totally write us, let us know what you want to hear next. And if you have any parenting questions, great. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah. <laughs>